Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. I have Natasha Lilly. She's the co-founder of the Royal Animal Health University and a creator of the Animal Diet Formulator software. So, Natasha, thanks for coming. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah. And um, just to clarify, the, the creator of the software is um, Steve Brown. Um, we have taken that over for our, um, you know, for our clients and developed it into a more um, applicable program to clinics and things like that that I can tell you more about. But he is the mastermind behind it, truly. Okay. So uh, when you first saw the software and you saw, I guess, you know, it makes recommendations on on diets for what, dogs, cats, and other animals? Or what does the software do? Let's start with that. Yeah, sure. Um, our software, um, designed by Steve Brown, um, is only uh, right now accommodating dog and cat species. We um, we do plan to expand beyond that, but that's into the future quite a ways. So currently, um, we um, have the, the standards in there for AFCO, which is our American standards, and also the FETIF standards, which um, are the European standards um, for formulating. And all of those are underpinned by the NRC uh, guidelines that are out there. So, um, so yeah, and it considers all, all life stages um, and then also um, activity levels up to three dogs. <laughs> so what's, um, you know, I've heard, like, in the news uh, recalls of, of animal. Actually, there was just one a day or yeah. so ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what happens in animal food? I guess it was an excess. This this new recall is a what a, a toxic excess of vitamin D in certain foods. Exactly. That's correct. Hmm. So yeah. So we've created um, the current version that we have available right now for individual users, such as veterinarians and as well as pet parents. Um, and and we did that because we wanted to really help shed light on some of the most dangerous or damaging foods are those that are um, homemade um, with good intentions, but okay. they're, you know they're grossly out of balance. Okay, so so we'll go back to the recall though too. Okay, so we've got that side of it, and now with this most recent pet food recall. Now we've got um, toxic levels of vitamin D in our processed foods. Um, they found up to 70 times the intended amount of vitamin D in some of these brands. Yeah. So, and these were kibble foods um, from over 10 different companies. So we start to think, okay, well, maybe it is better to homemade for our pets, um, but let's do that responsibly. Um, and certainly, we know this to be true for ourselves. Fresh is, is better. Um, and, and there are many fresh food uh, pet companies, pet food companies out there that are doing a great job. And so, you know, our, our recommendations are you, you need to know that company. You need to know your company and know the sourcing um, and, and how do they create the recipes and quality control and pathogen protection measures and I mean, it's a lot for the consumer to take on. So that's why 
we also said, okay, for those of you who want to home make, here, let's make it more simple and transparent, and let's put it in um, an easy-to-share format so your veterinarian can feel good about it. Or, from the other perspective, the veterinarian who wants to help their clients to do better, they can look at that and they can share that amongst their professional community and rest assured that it's meeting the nutritional requirements for that species, that life stage, and that activity level. Well, I guess I can say, like, you know, I I own dogs for many years and stuff. And I guess my assumption, which I guess is probably the assumption of a lot of people, is everyone tells you don't give dogs people food. They don't tell you what people food is, but I just assume, like, anything I eat is people food, anything dog food is dog food. So I, can't, I tend to think, like, okay, uh, the pet companies know what they're doing. So if I just give the dog dog food, I don't even have to think about it. I just give them the food, and they're all good. Right. And then I've been told, you know, again, don't give them people food, so I shouldn't give them any of my food. So I don't know if that's the mindset of a lot of pet owners. But then when these recalls come, you think, well, all right, uh, now what do I give them? You know, like, I guess that's why people say, maybe I should make my own and give it to them. Um, I don't know what to make. Like, if you, if you ask me, all right, what would you give dogs for food? Yeah. I would just say, right, I, I just figured they're carnivores. They just eat steaks and hamburgers and stuff like that, and they'll like that best, but I guess they need vegetables too. So, you know, how do people even start the thinking of what to do? Yes. Have you, you know, looked at, um, well, I'll tell you what my pivotal moment was um, in my career where I realized maybe we're not doing the best we can for our canine and feline companions. It was, I was first year vet student at UC Davis, um, and I was I was standing in line for one of the free bags of dog food from the big three companies um, that we would get every month. And I and I was reading the label after and looking at the top ingredients, and I started to have this sense of, like, this is probably not the best we could be doing to provide optimal nutrition. Um, first of all, it's in a bag. Um, and second of all, it's... You know, like I said, the, the top ingredients uh, were often grains. So, you know, uh, if you've looked into the mouth of um, a canine or or your 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 little cat that lives in your house, you open up those the you know, look at those teeth. Those that's impressive dentition. You know, it might mm-hmm. strike some fear into you a little bit. Um, and there's a reason for that. It's, it's designed for ripping and tearing. Their teeth are not designed for grinding and chewing like ourselves. So, so when you look um, into that and you think about the species that you're feeding, you think about the biology behind what they need to support that um, vibrant health that that animal can have, that opens up a lot of questions. So what should we be doing, like you asked? Um, it's, it's overwhelming the choices that are out there today, which is a good and a bad thing because um, you just don't know what to, to know about. Um, and, and there is a danger of uh, not making it yourself. There's always things that you, you, you know, the, in the food that could cause, they could be contaminants or they, they could be um, inadequacies or excesses. Yeah. Right, so yeah. so that that's why yeah, so that's why we're doing what we're doing, um, and um, we're also seeing that um, you know if you stop and think about it for a moment, if you consumed a very limited variety of nutrition, 
So this is what I see. You know, my, my dog and my cat can't change off of what they eat or they get diarrhea. We think for one second, why does that make any sense? What in that statement is good? <laughs> um, you know, for ourselves, we know that variety is, is um, you know, the spice of life. Okay. Sure. But it is. It's true. If we don't get variety in our diet, we're missing out on uh, some vitamins and minerals and, and macronutrient profile variations that can, can be a healthier um, way to go. And also, if we're eating from a bag or a can every day, are we feeding um, optimal nutrition in that food? Probably not. Right. So that's, that's why we've gotten really passionate about what we're doing. We see that this is such a big place to come into that, that needs help. So what are, I mean, for the formulator, what are, does it make general recommendations? And then it tailors it depending on, like, the age of the dog and the breed and its circumstance? Or how does it work and what kind of recommendations does it give that may be surprising to people? Sure. Um, good question. Yeah, we, so the, the way that this is set up is you can choose if you want to formulate by the standards that are set forth by the American guidelines or the European guidelines. You have to know a little bit about, um, you know, what that means. So, so for a, pet, a commercial company, they come in and they formulate either under ASCO standards or FEDEF, and they know what that means. For the um, average user, you're going to need to get some foundation before you can just um, start using this software. And we provide that. So, that's why Rahu is such an integral part of what we do, the Royal Animal Health University, um, is because we can educate our um, clients that will be using this software on how to use it well. Because as you know with anything, you can use something to its best ability or you can maybe use it and get something out of it that shouldn't have been made. So um, that's how it could be with a diet as well. I mean, you can make a vegan diet balanced and complete, quote-unquote, for a dog or even more frighteningly so for a cat with this program. But is that biologically and species appropriate? No. So we, we will teach about that side of it, you know, what to look for and how to formulate well for the species at hand. All right. So what are some examples of where people go wrong in making food for their dogs or cats at home? And, you know, what recommendations do you have in general so that, you know, in case they don't use the software, they just kind of figure out what to do. They do it right. Right. Absolutely. Well, come to our website for one, at the animaldietformulator.com because we have tips for formulators there. Um, and so those can serve as general guidelines. We're always going to be adding to that um, page with videos and information to help guide you, as well as, um, like I mentioned, taking some of our more advanced courses for formulation that we will charge for. But um, the information that I just mentioned previously is free. Um, so some of those just general tips. Um, a lot of people think that dogs and cats should eat like themselves, and that's why we see people, um, it, vegans, um, trying to feed their dogs vegan, um, you know. And so we see we see some pitfalls to that. So you should have like uh, an anthropomorphic formula yeah. for dogs. 
they're fur children, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's true, and they very much so are treated that way today, which is why you see this movement to um, people wanting to home make more. Um, but in the wake and the considerations of that, um, these these animals would be eating a whole animal. What does that mean? You know, that means they would be eating the organs, the entrails, um, not such pretty things to think about. So some of these diets, and if they're going to be complete and balanced using whole foods, we are looking at every time adding organ meat. So, you know, things like kidneys, liver, spleen, sometimes those are included um, in our formulation. Now, I'm sure dogs love that stuff. Oh, they love it. Yes, absolutely they do. Um, the palatability guidelines are important, too, because you can, again, you can achieve balance, but there's only so many spices you can put in a cat's food, and they're going to turn their nose and their tail up at you and walk away and say no thanks. So that's important as well. Yeah, I heard that um, dogs and any cats, the smell is more important than the taste. Like, they don't really taste much, and it's really the smell. So is that is that true, and then how does that change how you formulate something right and wrong? Good question. Yeah, so smell is definitely hyper-developed um, in dogs and cats um, beyond what we're capable of. So they, they definitely um, will pick up on that first, and that is an important thing. Sometimes we do things to enhance the, so if you have a raw food, just as we know, there's just not as much smell to it, right? So mm. if you're offering something in its raw form, sometimes what we recommend to entice the um, animal on first offering something new is to just sear the outside. So when you cook something, it smells, you, know, you get some of those aromas going, and, and they like that just as much as we do. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a helpful thing to do. Um, and um, as well as um, the palatability recommendations. I mean, again, um, every animal is going to be a little different, but we do have guidelines on percentages of certain items to add in so that you don't exceed those and, and then get disappointment with the food bowl not <laughs> still being full. Right. So, yeah. What about feeding the dog or the cat, you know, from your hand or feeding it personally or... You know, I, I heard some people, like, they should literally mix the food with their hands, like your smell is mingled in with the food. Is that a good idea? Um, you know, if they aren't wanting to eat it, that is a deeper problem. I think if if you, you entice it so you can, like I said, cook it lightly, sear it on the outside. You can also even uh, add a little bit of butter on top, melted butter. Um, there's certain appetite-enhancing, um, you know, additives that we'll add in, like I just said, you know, um, butter being one of them. And, and that just helps the animal to say, oh, yes, this is good. Um, I, I, and then they start to eat it, and they realize, oh, this is really great. But if you're really having to coax uh, an animal into eating something, that's a sign you should pay attention to. Maybe that animal isn't feeling well. Maybe right. that animal really doesn't want to eat that food, and you need to change it up and offer something a little different. Um, you know, so so do consider that. If you're having to hand feed that animal, I really think there's something wrong there because, you know, we have that old adage, like, wolf it down. Well, our dogs and cats, they 
they are not grazers. They should go in and they should wolf it down. It should be mm. gone. And it shouldn't be like, you leave food out all day. No. No, that shouldn't be the way it is. They should be very excited to eat it. And then when it's gone, it's gone. Um, if they're hungry, that's the way it should be. But then they look at you two seconds later as if you never fed them. <laughs> yeah. And that can be a problem. Um, but you'll find that, um, you know, there will be some that will have those more voracious appetites that they're always having to try to find low-calorie uh, filling treats to, to fill in the gaps with. Right, yeah. um, we definitely, um, as part of what we want to educate about is body condition. We want people to be aware that there's as much of an obesity epidemic in our pet population as there is in our human population. And um, diabetes and metabolic disorders are, are very much up there in line and lockstep with the human population. So we are asking people to take a look at that. Um, whether they're individuals or veterinary professionals, and really pay attention to where that animal is with its body condition. If it's overweight, um, you know, that needs to be addressed. That's the most important thing you could do is actually have that pet get down to a healthy weight um, for longevity purposes. Okay, and then any recommendations of what to eat, what not to eat, any no-nos or good stuff? Um, so, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> But what it is um, for for that, so for the absolute no-nos, if, if you're looking at dog and cat, no chocolate, okay? I think most people know that. No onions, no grapes. Um, so those, those things, you know, if you're feeding something that you ate, your people food, and you season that with a bunch of onions, don't, don't do that. You know, just don't offer that. Um, we've also... Um, through years of conditioning them to eat um, crunchy, dry foods, if you look at the contents of what's in those um, from the nutrition label, they're high in carbohydrates. So as we go to formulating fresh foods, we look at the quality and quantity of carbohydrates that are in the food. Again, we'll make guidelines for those macronutrient profiles to help you out with that. Um, you see some beautiful weight loss when we um, lower the carbohydrate levels from conventional um, formulations that you might find out there in, com- in commercially available dry foods. Um, if that's what you're trying to achieve, it's, it's pretty profound um, and, and really satisfying when, when we just change those macronutrients around to support a um, little higher protein and fat. Um, and lower carbohydrates. Okay, so like uh, low carb is good. So meats, vegetables, fat, you know, a few grains, a few carbs, and then that's pretty much the direction to go in for dogs and cats. Yep, and, no, and not all carbs are created equally, just as you know for yourself, you know, so veggies have carbs in them. We can get carbs from grains. We can get carbs from sugars so we just we just will educate about you know why you would want to add one carb type over another um again yes if you imagine a cat eating a whole mouth um which is very natural by the way um i've had friends call me up and say oh my god my cat i ate a mouth (laughs) (laughs) and i I, take a paw and say thanks good luck yourself um but 
In that animal's GI tract are some carbs. They ate some vegetables, you know, um, some grains. So they're, they, it's not like they can't have that, but we just need to be aware of what those are and where they're for. It's weird. Like, my dogs love pistachios, and they, they can hear if I'm opening up the wrapper of something. Like, they instantly come running. They know. So I think, I guess their hearing is really good for food sounds, too, and they know immediately if you're going to eat something. Yes. Absolutely. Um, they get conditioned, you know. I mean, my horses are the same way. They know where the treat jar is, and their little ears perk up, and, and yeah. they'll, they'll talk to me about it, um, start calling at the door. Yeah, so, you know, they're very in tune with you um, and, and okay. what you're eating, which is why it is fun when you tell people you can eat some of the same things that you eat to your pet. Let's just do that with some education behind it. Okay. Well, very good. So how can people access the software? Do they have to go to a vet or is there a, you know, can they go online and type some stuff in and get recommendations or, you know, what's some resources for people? Sure. Um, so we have currently on our animal diet formulator, um, dot com website, you can go there, uh, right now and you can buy our, um, individual user program software. Um, that's, um, is only working on PCs at the moment. We'll, we'll accommodate our Mac users soon, I promise, um, in the right. beginning of the new year. And then um, our commercial, we have a commercial version, which will help um, commercial companies that make dog foods or cat foods and treats um, to be able to use our software to formulate. And in that version, we have um, over 1,500 ingredients that they have access to. We have a commercial formulator um, consultant that can help them so that they know um, better what to do with this software. Hmm. Um, and and that will be coming soon in um, the first of the year. Uh, that will be available as well. So um, that that's kind of where you can go. Also, we have individual recipes. Let's say you don't want to do the software. You just want a recipe. Um, for two ninety nine, you can go to our website, the same one, and and find an individual recipe for your dog or cat. Um, okay. Those are some nice options. If you have an animal with health conditions that need to be considered, we have a consulting service as well. Well, you said people want to feed uh, their pets what they eat, so you have it set up there too. So let's say your religious beliefs. I don't know. Let's say you're Muslim, and yeah. You don't want to give your dog's pork because you can't touch or eat it, or you're kosher. You don't want to, you know, or uh, you're a vegan and you think your dog should eat that way or something. Or you're vegetarian and, you know, you're against animal cruelty. Does the formulator account for that? Does it ask you about yourself and then offer alternatives that's so healthy? That's a great, great question, and we have done that in our consultation service. So if you go um, into our website and you say, look, I don't want to become a formulator. That seems overwhelming. Um, but I do want to feed fresh, and I've got these um, considerations of allergies or whatnot that I, you know, that I need to specify for my pet. So then you would just request a consult with us, and it would allow you to fill in all of that information and more. Okay. So, yeah. I guess maybe that will be baked into the software at some point, too, on some low level, you know. Exactly. Well, you're hitting on it. That's in our future plans. Um, we want to make this available in a way that um, anyone could access and and plug in some basic parameters and be able to 
to get something that they can use. Mm. So that that's, you know, futuristic, um, but we are on that podcast right now, aren't we? Yeah. Well, very good. So uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and your time and everything. So what's the, um, again, a resource for listeners, where should they go? Yes. You... For more information, you can either go to royalanimalhealthuniversity.com or animaldietformulator.com. We also have a good presence on Facebook and Instagram, and um, we post regular educational and and fun information on animal health-related topics. So we'd love to to see you there. That's great. Natasha, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.